Hello, hello everyone. My name is Melanie Y. Evans. I am a bilingual pediatric speech language pathologist, culturally competency expert, and early career coach here to talk about speech pathology from a culturally responsive lens. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pediatric Speech Sister Show. This episode was previously recorded on Instagram Live, so please forgive any glitches with audio or audience interaction. If you are interested in watching the live, you can visit my Instagram page at Pediatric Speech Sister. I've also included the IG Live replay link in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm going to wait for some more people to join us. I'm so excited to have Jordan on today. Um, I'm going live with JRC, the SLP. Many of you know her as Jordan Carroll. Um, Just to introduce myself before Jordan gets on, um, my name is Melanie Evans. I am a speech pathologist in Houston. Hi, natural speechy. Hi, speech therapy bay. (laughs) Speechy, her language. I love y'all's handles. Um... So I'm a speech pathologist in Houston, Texas. I love what I do. I work with um, the peds. So pretty much I'm in the school. So I work um, pre-K through fifth grade. um, And I also do some private practice on the side. But kids are my jam. Um, Pretty much my goal is to help other cultural responsive SLPs on our culturally responsive journey. And anyone who wants to be an aspiring cultural responsive speech language pathologist, um, but of course, with that said, cultural competency is a journey, not a destination. So, um, yeah, I'm just here to join you guys on this journey and sharing what I know and what I learn along the way. Um, if anyone is ready for Friday, please just give us a thumbs up in the chat. <laughs> it's Wednesday. I work in the schools, like I said, and... I don't know what's up with spring semester and why that's always so busy and why the referrals are always so crazy, but um, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here managing, um, but we're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Naturally speaking is ready for Friday. Yeah. I, I hope y'all have weekend plans to just chill, rest hang out with friends, hang out with family, write, go to the park. (laughs) Okay, we're about to be in spring. Um, I'm in Houston, so it's starting to get warm again. Thank God I moved from DC to Houston so I can escape the cold weather. And so to my demise, it started getting cold (laughs) um, out here. So I'm happy that it's warming back up. So the reason why I reached out to Jordan for this um, is Black History Month. Of course, Black History Month, as you hear us say, is year round. Okay, it's a year round thing. Um, But of course, it's kind of like, let me just take this opportunity um, of all times of the year to hone in on some things. Um, Black people, we are the 3% of our field. Okay, Um, so we are the minority of our field. And... After speaking with um, one parent, um, she has a child with autism who's actually, she's Afro-Latina. 
Um, and she said that one thing is that she wishes that there were more representation for the service providers who help her daughter. She could tell that her daughter couldn't notice the difference. Her daughter is about 13 years old. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for coming. All right. Jordan's on. Yes. So um, pretty much the goal for us is we want to bring more um, black people, honestly, into the field. We just want to, uh, and not just black people, of course, we just really want to overall diversify the field. But since a lot of us work with black populations, um, we're going to be talking about black people today. <laughs> All right. I'm going to bring Jordan on. my dog hi hi jordan hello how you hi, doing good to see you, you how's the weather out there in dc i was just talking bad about y'all yeah it's cold <laughs> i'm trying to, to hear it it's actually starting to warm up out here no it played us for a little bit it got to like 60 degrees for like three days on the fourth day it was definitely snowing <laughs> that and honestly though the snow is so gorgeous in dc but i'm not it's the wind for me it's the wind listen i asked google this morning i said what's the weather she said it's gonna be 38 blah 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 but with wind it feels like 20 degrees <laughs> yeah yeah and then on top of that talking to my best friend she lives in new york but i mean the weather really isn't much different um and we just talked about how actually disrespectful the wind is like actually disrespectful calling you names in your ears face <laughs> it's it's real rude so <laughs> it's trying to get warm out here so when y'all come out here for in basla y'all gonna be in good shape yeah i'm excited <laughs> wait no i'm not coming for in basla you're not for in basla oh no I'm not because it's expensive. Well, yeah. because I was gonna do, I was gonna be an exhibitor, and it literally would have cost me more money to get a flight and like book the table than like I would have made. <laughs> so yeah. no, that's, that's real. And honestly, we're still um kind of getting out of the COVID era anyway. I mean, I don't know if we're getting out of it, but you know, we're trying to make things better with it. Man. And then on top of that. I can't afford to miss work. This is what we really need to talk about. I know that's not, that's not what we're here to talk no, about no, today. No. <laughs> Let's talk about it. But man, like, it's just too much. It's just it too much. The workload is ridiculous and I'm tired, okay? That's all we need to say about it for now. <laughs> yeah, no, before you got on, um, I was like, first of all, who is ready for Friday? Because I don't know what's up with the spring semester. And all of these referrals are just coming in. All these teachers are like, oh, actually, this kid has this problem. So I've been doing a response to intervention as much as I can. Listen, but my days are full of yeah. referrals, screens. Like, I'm lucky if I have a session. And then people want to come at me like, you're not seeing your kids. I'm like, well, if you had somebody else here to do all these referrals and all these meetings and all these other things that I have to do, the kids will be seen the way I would want to see them. Thank you. Yep. Yep. And then on top of that, just real quick, since we're venti. <laughs> <laughs> about is the checks and balances. Like, I know it's necessary to make sure that the school district doesn't get sued. But for example, my district has, we have the, and a lot of districts have this, at least in Texas, we have the raw data sheets, and then we have to type it into the computer. So I'll do three group therapy sessions. I have a self-contained classroom where I don't want to do 
necessarily the whole classroom based thing with this particular group because I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere with them. So I basically see them back to back. So I'm in that classroom for an hour and a half, right? That's about 12 kids <laughs> already. So I go back up to my office, I do the raw data sheets, I, t I have the data there, I'm pretty much already planning for the next session. And then I got to go type it in the computer. Why does that take me almost an hour and a half to do? No, listen, you know what they told me? They know, because what's really happening is like, I get, obviously, I get all the, the things done, but it might be a little late. Okay, so I got Ooh. some notes in late. And I had a meeting, my supervisor was like, well, you know, like, there's, there's a, um, what's it called? Uh, like a formula. So, you know, if you see your kids, if you have your regular 30 minute sessions, you have the required eight minutes to do your note before the next session. I'm like, listen, it takes me eight minutes to get three kids back to class. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no way that's happening. Yeah. And I'm always told that, oh, well, just take it in the last five minutes of your session. Listen. I work with elementary school kids. So I'm trying to take notes. I'm like, okay, y'all, here's some Play-Doh or y'all can play like a game for the last five minutes of the session. And they're like, Miss Evans, Miss Evans, like they're, you know, so I can't, I can't concentrate. I can't focus. So it's just unrealistic, but you know, we do the best we can. I love what I do. I love my kids. I love when I get to see them and spend time with them. <laughs> you know, but right. Yeah. And so, um real quick because we have a lot of people popping on hey y'all hey y'all thank y'all for coming um we have a 48 hour turnaround in florida wow wait to type notes amanda yeah to get the notes in i just don't like getting behind on notes oh, I've it's done. horrible it's or rough take it from me yeah no seriously <laughs> like, never do that again seriously so i can't even give myself that 48 hours um so really quick jordan so just to get started on the topic uh, i'm gonna go ahead and let you introduce yourself tell us about your why your mission everything yeah okay so i'm jordan um jrc the slp i am a speech pathologist in a school and i also have a few private clients um what else do you need to know about me? So, I mean, what really informs everything that I do is I went to undergrad um, at a PWI, predominantly white institution, and just really was hit in the face. Like, it shocked me. Um, it was the first time I was really confronted with racism, overt racism, and it was the first time I realized how not diverse the field, or not even just the field, academia in general, and then specifically the field of speech pathology. So then I went to Howard for grad school, which is a historically black, okay, <laughs> which is a historically black college or university, um, and just really changed my entire outlook. That is the first time I saw black SLPs was learning from people that looked like me, et cetera, that I could relate to. I was surrounded by greatness, and um, yeah, I I really started with like activism and everything in undergrad because like I said it was the first time I experienced those things um, me and a group of another amazing women founded the first uh, multicultural sorority on our campus shout out to Alpha Chi Delta and yeah you know I just I like to fight for things that I believe in <laughs> we love to see it and again you know thank you so much for what you do for this field, honestly, like just your voice alone and encouraging other speech pathologists to use their voice. Um, real quick, I just want to introduce uh, myself for the people who just came on. 
Um, everyone, my name is Melanie Evans. I'm a school-based speech language pathologist. Um, I went to Howard University too. So I see A. Carter saying HU, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so pretty much my goal here is to help other speech language pathologists on our culturally responsive journey. Um, cultural competency is a journey, not um, a destination. So we're just pretty much here to help y'all on that journey. Um, so I wanted to bring Jordan on here because it is Black History Month. And even though Black history should be celebrated and recognized throughout the year, not just in February, which is controversially the shortest month of the year, but that's another conversation. <laughs> that's another conversation. Um, I wanted to have Jordan on here so we can pretty much just talk about how we can uplift each other in the field, especially the 3%. Um, I was speaking with a parent who has a child with autism um, who's Afro-Latina, and she said one thing that she wishes is that there were more diverse service providers, you know, more people who looked like her daughter who could help. Um, so the first question I want to ask you, Jordan, is what does Black History Month mean to you? Well, I mean, just like you touched on, Black history is American history. I mean, it's history because it's not just American history. We are the foundation. So um, I think I appreciate Black history for what it is. I kind of think of it like Valentine's Day, you know, like all year, every day you should you should show the people you love that you love them. But Valentine's Day is the specific day where I'm I'm dedicated to showing love and appreciation to this person. And I feel like that's what Black History Month should be. Like, we should be appreciated year-round for all of our contributions. And Black History Month is just where we're focused on us. Right. And I love how you put that. I really like that Valentine's Day analogy. Yeah. So, so February is the day that we just get to focus and hone in on it. But it really should be a year-round thing. Um, what have you been doing to commemorate Black History Month as a speech pathologist? Well, as a speech, I mean, like I said, that's what I do, you know, <laughs> I do this, I, I incorporate or I try to incorporate culture into everything that I do. Um, so it, I really can't say that I've changed anything besides conversations that we were having. But I mean, I use, I talk about black music, black artists and like all my sessions, uh, black athletes, a lot of my students love to discuss and talk about and read about. Um, so I just, I like to do those things all the time. And I think now, just like I said, since it's Black History Month, we're talking about this is the month that we're, we're focused on us and, and it's for us specifically, not just in our speech room, but everywhere. And my schools, or let me say one of the two schools, has done a really great job of um, just displaying Black history and um, prominent Black people all around in all the hallways. So uh, it's been great. We, we awesome. do a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what have been some of your favorite Black history activities throughout your career? So maybe not just Black History Month, but just some of your favorite ones throughout the year. Favorite activities? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I would say I my kids really like um, like guessing games or like Jeopardy games. So if we're if we're talking about um, maybe if we read a book, we could answer questions like who created this or where did this happen? So just incorporating WH questions in the form of Kahoot or Jeopardy, those kinds of things. But like I said, I just like to do it in a, on a regular basis. So it's incorporated in all the games that we do. OK. And, you know, I'm sitting here taking mental notes. So you you work with middle school or high school? 
So elementary school and middle. And middle school. Okay, okay. About the Kahoot Jeopardy. Do you do that with your elementary school kids too? Oh, yeah. The elementary school kids love it. I, like upper elementary, third to fifth grade. Love it. Mm, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty of why we're meeting tonight. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is if there's anything that you'd like to see changed in terms of Black history is celebrated in our profession. Oh, in our profession? Yes, definitely. Um, I think that, you know, this is a great time to discuss this. Asha, in general, I would just like to hear more from. And I think yeah. that we saw what a response could look like when they responded to um, BYU and ending the gender-affirming therapy services. So we saw that they could respond. We saw that they could act. We saw that they could do those things. And so I'm just confused as to why all of the other things that we have addressed have not been responded to in such a way, such as the, like the lack of diversity or specific instances or scenarios of discrimination that we know about. So like when those things come up, and we and we bring them up and they're discussed. It's, it's not addressed, and it's not just on like minor levels or like individual levels. Like things that have not been addressed, such as entire institutions that we know repeatedly year after year are discriminatory or have discriminatory practices, or people have filed complaints about, but the, still the same practices are happening on a daily, yearly, or annual basis. So I think what I would like to see change is. For us to be heard like I don't I don't feel like we are listened to I don't feel like our concerns are addressed in the yeah. same way that we have seen that they are capable of addressing mm -hmm. so I can say personally I was a little bit hurt and I'm very happy that they responded like you right. know I, like I go I called it out like I did what was happening at BYU and what is happening at other institutions is extremely problematic and it needs to be changed. And also, there are a lot of other things that need to be changed that have not been addressed. So that's what I would like to see happen. Yeah, and yeah, of course, of course, Jordan, I agree with you because that's, you know, that's it. You know, let's, we just want to know that we're being heard instead of hearing clap back as if we're pretty much whining or complaining. Um, you know, so again, another conversation um, that we can talk about for hours, but. <laughs> so you have been an agent of change in our field and others have definitely tried to silence you now that we're on that topic, right? Um, <laughs> agents, so how have you been able to navigate being a black woman in the field with a strong voice that may be deemed as controversial? Good question. Um... You know, speaking of Black artists, I can think of two great quotes. Number mm -hmm. one, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. Okay. And number two, <laughs> and number two, shout out to Beyonce. You know right. you that D when you cause all this conversation. Okay. So I feel like if if I'm if it's controversial, that means that change is happening. And so if I am need to be the one to do that, I don't have an issue. That is fine with me. That's how I feel about it. And I, I, I don't feel like I think about it as myself 
as like, oh, I'm I'm causing all this controversy because like I don't I, well I do, but like most of the times I try to be unbiased and just put information on the table. Like I try not to share my opinion, and so half the time like whatever the controversy is, like your beef is not with me. Like that is some something else you got going on. Yeah. Yep. Well. Well, with that said, um, a lot of us are feeling the first word that came to my mind was downtrodden, but um, another good word is discouraged. So I know that we, you know, um, we're at ASHA, we're at the ASHA table and, and even at the um, SLP social scene, which was a lot of fun, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we just had a lot of other black aspiring speech pathologists. So not even people who are already speech pathologists, but people who want to be speech pathologists, but they're feeling discouraged by the lack of representation in the field. Um, so what can you say, like, you know, just basically how can we uplift them? How can we work together to uplift those who want to be in the field, who want to be agents of change, who want to be speech pathologists, but aren't necessarily seeing themselves being represented? But not only that, but are receiving pushback from their universities and being told that they don't even have a spot in this place. Mm -hmm. Listen, I've been there. And I will say that it's a, it's a big difference now in that we have things like this. Like we have me, we have you, we have Chelsea, we have so many prominent Black SLPs to look up to, to talk to, who are accessible. Like when I was in your positions, future SLPs, and people were telling me I couldn't make it in the field, like I did not know a Black SLP. I had never seen one. I didn't have anyone to speak to. So I think my advice would be to reach out, or you don't even have to reach out. Like that might, even, might not be your personality type, but just know that there's community here and there's yeah. strength in numbers. And that is already a huge difference from just a few years ago. So I will say that as much as it doesn't seem like we're making progress, like things like this are happening and that that means that there's progress. And I have to remind myself of that too. Um, and with that like same idea, we are the ones that have changed that. Like all we did was be here. And so with that in mind, all the future SLPs that are thinking you know, they might not want to get into the field. You are the ones that can change that too. Like we can't change the field without y'all here. We need you. I like, I specifically like eye to eye, I need you here. <laughs> so please, like, if you're thinking about it, if you're on, on the edge of joining, like, please, please like, we need you. And more, more importantly, I speak okay. about this a lot too. Um, I'm at two different schools right now and I'm at my predominantly white school it's just like the instant connection that I see with the black students, like when they see me and they run up to me and have never met me before. And I'm like, oh, I know they needed, they needed to see me today. Like they needed to feel loved. They needed to feel this connection and they couldn't get this from anybody else here. And that is just the fact. It's not hating on anybody else or what anybody else is doing, but they, it's just true. And so when I have those instances or when I like have to advocate for my black students in predominantly white spaces, it reminds me every time why I'm here. And so if that is an influence to you as well, we need you here. We need you here. Um, I'm sorry, I just saw a comment from Naturally Speaking that said, the need to explore our options when deciding to go into the field. Yeah, so um, I know that that is something that is always, 
I don't know why that's always what's told to us. Um, and, and honestly, you know, other people of color too. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I don't, I really don't get it. We can say racism, but really, like really, what is the deep root issue cause? What is the reason? Um, you know, it's really wild. everything. Um, so what ways can we work together to ensure that more of us are joining the profession and making necessary changes in our field? Um, I would say get involved, you know, get, get into community of or other people that want to do this, that look like you, whether it be just on social media or like niche organizations, things like that. Because, like I said, there's strength in community. If you have people that are going through it with you, it's much easier to do. Um, and then I would say mentorship, number one, like helping people that are going through what you went through already. Um, and then going out into other spaces and telling people about the field. Because as we all know, nobody knows what SLPs are, what SLPs do. And so again, we are the only ones that are, we're not the only ones, but we have the power to change that by informing people. And that is one way to get people into the field because I just, I know so many people don't know about it. I, for another example, I was in a class recently and one of the like paraeducators, a black woman at the predominantly white school just came up to me one day and she was like, hey, what, what do you do? Because I like, I'm trying to be what you're on. Like I'm trying to be in and out the classroom. I'm not trying to be stuck here. I'm like, sis, yes. Like, let, let me tell you, let me give you all the tea because I need you to come. And so I, I'm like that everywhere. Like I recruit people. I have a friend that I'm trying to go back and to school. Do. <laughs> I saw, man, I saw, I saw it first. Man. Yeah, no, I really try. I really try. <laughs> so I love to see it. Um, real quick, because I love, I love the audience interaction here. Um, Naturally Speaking said, join your state speech associations. Let them see you. Listening, uh, SLP says, make people want to run to the hills. Yeah, she's, she's speaking about the racism. But, you know, if anyone else has any input on how we can uplift each other or how we can just make sure that more of us are joining the field, please feel empowered to mention it in the chat. Um, Cause this is really a team effort. And it's, you know, like, like this is just incredibly important. Um, more of us need to join the field. More of us need to feel represented. More of us need to represent the populations that we serve. Um, yeah, so anyone, if anyone has any feedback or e even any questions for Jordan and I, um, please feel free to put it in the chat. Yes, I also will say that, I mean, as we know, the, the largest barrier is money, <laughs> like when it comes to joining the field. So, you know, if you know anybody that is rich or can offer some type of scholarship program, <laughs> that would be great. Let me know we could, so we could start something up. Um, but yeah, just like if you could be of assistance to like a student of color in any way, financially, you have no idea how far that will go. Like, let me tell you, when I was in school, if somebody would have just offered to buy me lunch, it would have made my entire <laughs> month. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I am not joking. Reach out yeah. to your students or anybody in your area because they need help. I'm, and it's worse now, I feel like. It's worse it than when I was in school. So help somebody out. Yeah, no, seriously. If someone offered, if someone bought me coffee, I didn't need nothing else. I didn't need nothing else. Buy my Starbucks for my 8 p.m. class, I'm good. I really am. I'm good. <laughs> uh, 
listening SLP said be authentic in your efforts with interacting and, and engaging yes so a lot of times especially in academia this is something that came up for me um, and really it came up in the sense of us just feeling pressured in general and how a lot of SLPs kind of have like an A-type personality anyway but even I feel like my personality is more B-type but still I feel that that stress that anxiety that A-type personalities can feel a lot of the time um, that's kind of besides the point of being authentic, but I'll say this, I feel academia is kind of what molded us or programmed us to be this way. Um, and then also you're kind of in a position to try to impress people. So especially if you're a person of color, that might be something just kind of running in the back of your mind. Like, let me make a good impression. Let me make a good impression. I got to be twice as good. I got to be twice as good, but really you can be authentic, like just be yourself. And I realized that that's taken me further than anything else. Just being yourself, being authentic. When you're networking, um, one thing, so I went to, you know, Howard for undergrad too. HBCUs, when they talk about networking, there's so much pressure to that. I used to have so much anxiety when it came to Working. I'd go to conferences and I would honestly be that person kind of sitting off to the corner. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say to people, but, um, I realized that it does not have to be that deep, you know, because really people just want to know who you are. Um, oh, yeah, or... definitely. Yeah. I will add, so mm -hmm. when I was in undergrad and it was a predominantly white institution and I, I didn't like, I didn't give into that. I feel like in the beginning I was very much like, okay, like I need to be on my P's and Q's. Let me make sure I'm, I'm here. I'm sitting in the front, like all of that. And I was a student athlete. So I was like, I had to put on a good, good face but then I started experiencing racism <laughs> and I was like well if I'm doing all this and I'm gonna get it anyway like I'm gonna start pulling up to class in sweats yeah. and slides and yeah. late with some coffee like that was definitely me or I would or I would stop showing up because like I'm not gonna sit here and experience the feeling that I feel every time I walk into the room like to preserve my own peace I'm gonna I'm gonna get the slides and teach myself which I literally did for like two semesters so I feel like in, in that way, I was very authentic and it, it probably did hurt me because like I said, the, the professors and all the other people were telling me to, to not be in the profession. But my experience was I was going to get that response anyway. Yeah. So I feel like if you are yourself, I still made honestly, obviously great connections. I still got where I needed to go. I was waitlisted to get into grad school. I still got in like things, things happen. You know, things happen and I feel like being yourself is always just the best way to go about it because people can tell when you're fake and then you have to keep it up. Like and, that's up. And that actually adds to the anxiety. You just don't want to live that life, especially in your career. Um, definitely speaking to like the SLPs to be for sure. You, you can't, you just cannot keep it up. It's exhausting. Um, and inevitably, and also sometimes not, maybe not inevitably, but imposter syndrome will kick in especially during the CF. So if you're faking it, trying to fake it, don't do it. <laughs> so Jordan, last thing, is there anything else that you would like to say or add um, any words of encouragement to um, Black SLPs and SLPs to be in the profession? Yes, I will say Black SLPs and or especially Black SLPs to be, you, like, I feel like you are looking to us for answers and you all are the answer. Like everything that you have already shown that you're bringing to the table is changing the game. 
And I think one of the, the great quotes is you are the, the quickest way people forget that they have power is like, or take away power from themselves and they forget they have it. Like you have power, you, your power, you have power in your words, you have power to change things, you have power to change things just individually where you are. So shout out to what you have already done. And, you know, we're on the come up. <laughs> I'm excited to see where we go. <laughs> Yes, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for coming again and joining me again. Um, always a fun discussion with you, girl. Seriously. Yes, love to see you. <laughs> you too. Well, thank y'all everyone for coming. I know it's late. Um, again, Friday is around the corner and I'm gonna need everyone to kick their feet up for real. Because I don't know. I don't know what it is with this year, 2022, 21, 21, 2022 school year. Like even the teachers. Oh tickets, yeah, everybody's done. Everyone is, it's it's sad. So uh, take some rest, prevent burnout, do what you got to do. Um, I love you, Jordan. You're awesome. Love you. See you soon. Bye, Bye y'all. Well, family, that's the episode. What did you think? Wherever you're listening, I'd appreciate if you left a review. Your feedback means a lot to me and helps me find more ways to help you on your journeys. If you're looking for more ways to expand your cultural compatibility in your clinical practices, follow me on Instagram at Pediatric Speech Sister and check out my newsletter for more show updates. I'll include all these links in the show notes. Until then, I'll see you next week.